in my worldview, everything is interconnected. Um, and science is proving that out what, you know, living uh, ancient traditions that still today, we've had that for millennia, that we're all connected. And that whatever we do to one, it happens to everyone, whether it's to people, whether it's to earth, whether it's spirit, it affects, affects us all. And we're living that real time now. We're starting to get that. So that means from that worldview, if we are intimately inter interconnected, all relatives, then wouldn't it make sense that we would be caring of each other, caring of yourself, and then caring of all, both other people as well as the earth, nature, you know, all our relatives. My guest today is Dr. Anita Sanchez. Anita is a transformational leadership consultant. She's a coach, she's a speaker, and she's also the author of the international award-winning bestseller, The Four Sacred Gifts, Indigenous Wisdom for Modern Times. I think you're really in for a treat in this episode as Anita shares with us her indigenous wisdom of the four sacred gifts and explains to us how we can use these gifts in our own lives to heal ourselves, to heal our communities, our environment, and all the challenges that we face in today's world. It's very experiential, very upbeat, and I just think you'll truly enjoy this episode with Dr. Anita Sanchez. So welcome, Dr. Anita Sanchez. How are you? Good. It's great to see you again. Oh, it's great to see you, Anita. And I'm uh, welcome to How We Change the World podcast. It's uh, you're the one of the most perfect people to be on the on the podcast because your life is a, epitomizes everything that we talk about here. So I'm thrilled that you are here and and, and honored very much. Thank you. Um, so you are many things. Um, most the thing that maybe we'll talk about the most today is that you are the author of Four Sacred Gifts, Indigenous Wisdom for Modern Times. Um, it's a book in a class of its own, I believe. Uh, it's a timeless book. I read it when it first came out, which was what year? 2017. 17. Um, I read it. I listened to it this time. I found it more powerful listening to it this time, but I think it's also where you meet that. And I was in a place to just totally take it in. And, uh, and, and honestly, as I was reading it, I thought this is a forever book. If we, you know, 50 years from now, this wisdom, because it is ancient indigenous wisdom, it will never not be appropriate. But in the times that we live, we need this wisdom. So I'm, I'm so excited to hear you share that. And that's, that's what we're here today is to have you share your, your wisdom with us. Um, but you wear many hats. Um, I don't know if would you like to tell us what else you do as a trainer and a coach. Uh, yeah, so I feel like I've been living my dream um, ah, for 47 years. good. I know, it's really good. For 47 years, I've been connecting hearts and minds all over the world. And I do that through um, diversity, equity, inclusion. So I've worked with corporations and businesses and nonprofit, global and local organizations. And um, that has taken me all over the world. And I love that. And that, that all, what I'm doing all comes from a dream that I had as early as three and four mm -hmm. that I was, I drew it. In kindergarten, I said, this is what I'm going to be when I grow up. And lo and behold, that's really what I've been doing is connecting hearts all over the world. And I and there's definitely a real need for doing that right now in a bigger time way. So I do that. I'm also a speaker. 
um, speak a lot about the book as well as anything in, yeah. related to diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, and also I uh, coach as well, uh, do more executive. But I use more large system kind of change things, but I do coach as well. So coaching executives in, in, in large corporations mostly, right? About And is that primarily about bringing diverse teams together in, for diversity in all kinds? Initially, it starts with that, but what we find is like we're not siloed human beings. We're the whole thing, and that's what I love about Indigenous wisdom is that we're spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, and so it's a really broad, holistic approach to the work, as opposed to saying this is work and this is the. You know, I've got Uh, PhD and certificates and all the things, but it's the whole. So, oftentimes when I'm working them, we're breaking free of some emotional something that got stuck even in their early childhood. So, um, but what it, what all this still means, it still comes back to diversity, equity, inclusion. I'm smiling because my clients always say, it always keeps coming back to that, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, because when you look at about even the diversity in our own lives, do we have to make room for everything inside of ourselves, let alone talking about with others? So, Oh, that's so interesting. Diversity within our human body, within our human spirit and soul as one. Oh, well, I had never thought about diversity that way, but of course... There's so many sides to each of us. You're a mother, you're a wife, you're a diversity coach, you're a speaker, you're an indigenous woman. Yeah. And you bring your indigenous wisdom really it's in every breath you take, right? It's in every action you take. It I don't know how not to. And what I mm-hmm. it's like air. people have them realize they're doing the same out of whatever their worldview is. Because it's not like uh, I have my worldview and I set it over here. It's right. always infecting everything. So in my worldview, Everything is interconnected, um, and science is proving that out. What you know, living uh, ancient traditions that still today we've had that for millennia that we're all connected, and that whatever we do to one, it happens to everyone. Whether it's to people, whether it's to earth, whether it's spirit, it affects, affects us all. And we're living that real time now. We're starting to get that. So that means, from that worldview, if we are intimately inter- interconnected, all relatives then wouldn't it make sense that we would be caring of each other, caring of yourself, and then caring of all, both other people as well as the earth, nature, you know, all our relatives. And we definitely are being asked to do that with everything that's going on, all the challenges. Well, absolutely. And I think that is one of the most important points that we will talk about today. And it's one of the harder challenges that I think people have in accepting that. And so I definitely want to get into that more when we talk about the sacred gifts is how we are all one. Um, So let's begin. uh, The reason that uh, you came to my attention again, although I've known you for a number of years, um, you sent out an an email recently saying that you're going to be restarting you and your husband, Kit, who is as shining light in the world as you are, um, are leading this trip to the headwaters, sacred headwaters of the Amazon in June. So if we could start with you talking about that a little bit, and then we'll um, hopefully take it up again at the end. We've been going there since 2007. Oh, seven. Yes. And um, it's just, I just felt like I was at home and so did Kit. So then with the Pachamama Mm -hmm. Alliance, I'm on the board of directors of that. And so every year, then I began leading a group, um, business people, family family members coming, a lot of different people, just some who have, you know, done amazing things in their life, big reach business-wise or in community activism. Mm-hmm. Others who just 
somehow were drawn to it and had been saving their money to go on this journey. They knew it was really important. So we will be going June 3rd to June 14th. It's 12 days. It's just powerful. It is not a vacation, but you will vacate your reality or <laughs> because you really are immersing yourself in who you are because you are nature. And to go to the most beautiful place, one of the most beautiful places in the world, clearly, arguably one of the, the most biodiverse place in the world, yes. is the start of the Amazon, the sacred headwaters. And so 12 days were there with different tribes who just embrace us, teach us about the forest. We have time to really just be present to everything around us. And I'll tell you, from the very start, when people go in, they just like, what is that? You know, I don't have an egg. What's going on? So we don't promise you're going to really? of things. But what it is, is oxygen. Oh. Most of us have never experienced that clean of air. So, you know, just experiencing that, let alone then very quickly, you know, we work through translators, they start getting... They, these people, these indigenous people, the Ashwar, Sapra, Keshwar that we see, they don't talk about living in the rainforest. It, the translation is saying they are part of the rainforest. Yes, it's true. There's, there's a whole worldview and mindset. What might that yes. be like if we, out here outside of the indigenous communities, actually thought we were part of the earth? part of each other, then I think we would slow down and pause before we do things that are to benefit, not only for now, but for future generations. So that's a worldview. And I, what I, my work, part of what we do while we're there is just have people keep being present, present, present to the beauty, present to what's um. And of course, you're going through different ceremonies, various tribes. And so it's just... Amazing. And everyone I've taken from nine years old to 80 years old. And for every person, it's always been really transformational. N nothing short of that. And I know that word's thrown around. And they'll just go, no, this journey changed everything. And it's changed major corporations where they began, they changed their policies, how they were doing things. And they changed nine-year-olds' life. They were looking for their purpose. And adults, of course, mm -hmm. were skeptical and and. The little girl just talks it. I know you think I'm too young, but I know. Um, well, within a couple of years, she, she was very bright. She went on to college. And within a major, a major East Coast university, well-known. And she changed their policies on, on where they were receiving money and ending child um, labor. That oh, my was goodness. Happening. So, I mean, it's just amazing on and on. But it talk about joyful. You make friends for a lifetime. So it's just one of the things. Uh, it's a small group. It's not a huge group. I never have more than 15. And, 15. Oh, 15. And, and you have room now for more I have participants. Room, I have right now room for more. Um, okay. All you have to do, and you'll, you'll put it in the thing, you, uh, Anita and Kit, AmazonJourney.com. It's part mm -hmm. of the Pachamama Alliance. Um, and we'll put that in the show notes, absolutely, so people can just click on it. But just for, just for one point of clarity, what country do you start it in? Yes, you go, You fly into Ecuador, into Quito. Okay. And you fly in, and we start on the 3rd. And from the 3rd to the 14th, you do not have to be concerned about anything. Everything is included in, in the price of the thing, and you covering all your airplane, your boats, your bus, all your meals, all your... your airplane walk. within the country. Within the not, country. Not to get, right. Okay. Yeah, just getting there is what you have to do on your own. Otherwise... Yeah. 
it's just a wonderful. And one day, God, that sounds amazing. Oh my God, Deborah, I have not. I have not because it is amazing, powerful power and friends of a lifetime that you make there. It's just it's incredible. Those just, who are there, but also those who are journeyers, um, they all become. Just, I bet. I bet. And just to have you and Kit together uh, leading it would just be a wonderful, a wonderful feeling. It, it feels very secure, you know, because yes. I know, because you, I mean, secure in your leadership, yes. but also there. Yeah. yeah, it's all around. It is. It's just, yes, it's, um, it's a journey. That's what we call it, a journey. It, yeah, yeah, it's a journey it's of, of many way, of many kinds. Mm -hmm. so, well, let's, let's get in, sure, let's um, get into your, um, your book a little bit. And I just want to say that uh, it's so interesting when you talk about indigenous cultures, because your book is surprised me in its inclusivity. I know that this is your work, but still to accept all people as indigenous people was, I thought such a, such a, a different take on it because, you know, here I am, a you know, as my mother said, as Irish as Patty's pig, you know, very from, I'm not in my indigenous land of Ireland, you know, and you are in your indigenous lands, uh, in, in the United States, what is now the United States. And, uh, and yet this book did not make me feel any, uh, otherness in terms of being indigenous because you said we we're all indigenous. Wow. And I wanted to, you had an actual, I don't know if I have right in front of me, um, but your definition of indigenous is completely different than any other one. It doesn't even refer to a geographical uh, no. location or heritage. If you want to share what that. Because I think it's important because I also don't want to is. people, because you're right. It's quite controversial. Um, I bet. At this time, indigenous is a word, a description that used for people who are from all over the world, connected to the particular land, who have continued the original traditions, the original knowledge mm -hmm. passed to them over millennia. And so it is a very important, powerful description of people. Anthropologically, though, all of us are indigenous because we're all originally made up of the earth, the cosmos, stardust. We know that from science. Indigenous people know this, too. Well, I, well, I'm so glad you brought it up because I don't want to set up people to go and say, well, I'm indigenous and people go, well, what tribe and stuff? And then you're, uh, yeah. instead you can say, hey, I'm learning about my indigeneity or I'm learning of my whole reconnection. And I understand you as an indigenous person has been carrying that. That allows us to come together. But to, to make it anything short of, we all are. I mean, you have to go back, back, of back. Course. Yes, of course. Yes. You all are. And if I could add a story, I know I wasn't going to do this. Absolutely. Because when yeah. you said you were Irish, I went to Ireland for the first time in August, late July, oh. August. And I went on purpose because I wanted to go see this monument, this new monument that's just been, been put up not even a year. And it's in outside of um, uh, Cork. And Ooh. it's um, feathers. That's where I'm from. <laughs> Eagle feathers. Silver, big, big monument. Really? And it's representing the relationship between the Irish people and the indigenous people of North America, the U.S., but particularly the Choctaw. And here's how the story goes. Okay. It's told you about a connection. Yeah. In 1840s and 50s, during the famine, the Choctaw indigenous people of this country 
were reading and hearing about all the suffering of the Irish people, people really? dying, starvation, people having to leave the land, all that. Yeah. And they collected $140 and they sent it to Ireland with a note saying, we understand what it means to starve. We understand what oh. it means to be pushed from your land and to may never, may not ever return. And we hope this is all we could gather, but we hope this helps some way to ease your suffering. Okay. Fast forward, COVID, not quite two years ago. $1.4 million check comes to the Choctaw Nation from a group in Ireland. It made me cry. <laughs> well, this is what happens. It's joyful tears. Oh, my God. Yeah. We really understand our connection. The Irish people said, it starts, the note says, we have not forgotten. Your gift that you brought to us. Unbelievable. Yes. Remember our our whole our our sacred connection. And the one point four million is the equivalent of what $140 was back in the eighteen forties. And we hope this eases your suffering because we're reading about the health inequity well, and we don't actually. have food, water, <laughs> on and on. So then they built this and there's been ceremony that I didn't I wasn't able to go to last summer because I was doing ceremony in the Arctic Circle in Norway. So I went afterwards. And so I wanted to tell you that because especially yeah. those are watching or listening to to understand that we may not even be conscious of our impact, our relationship, but that doesn't mean it's not there. Just because it's in the middle of the night and there's no moon, we we we, we can't say, oh, the sun doesn't exist. It does. We're just not perceiving it at that time. So it's very important that what we see that we can have a positive, we can be good medicine or bad medicine. I talk about that with the four gifts. You do. And when you use the four gifts, you can be good medicine. You keep using them. The, the good medicine is anyone or anything that puts into alignment the spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical. Bad medicine is anyone or anything that takes it out of alignment. And so I think that's what our... I think most people, if not all people, I, and I know there's hurts and pains that prevent us from doing this, but we are ultimately sacred. I, that's part of my worldview. It doesn't mean we always operate in sacred ways. So we have to be discerning because we shouldn't allow ourselves to be abused or to allow others to abuse other people or other species or anything. But nonetheless, if we move from that, that means that I have everything I need to bring harmony and balance and that's what these four gifts are, are about. They come from an eagle hoop prophecy. Is this, that is a beautiful, beautiful story and so illustrative of everything that you represent and talk about. And the fact that my family is from County Cork just took it to another level and they're still there with a dairy farm. So I can't wait to go see that. that oh, thank yeah. you so much for that story. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, a beautiful way to introduce the four sacred gifts. So let's begin. If, actually, if you could begin with the story of the Mohican man, because I was a little bit surprised. I had forgotten. I'd read it before, but I'd forgotten that it was a, an ancient prophecy, but a relatively recent, yes, very I guess, embracing of this prophecy or realization that it has come to pass. So yes. if we can okay. start with him. Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, Don Coyas, an elder Don Coyas, he's Mohican, mm -hmm. um, out of Southern Colorado. And it, he had, in his sleep, he had a vision. And in that vision, there was um, a light 
that came down and touched him on his head. And in that light, that beam of light was a tree. And that tree turned and it became all the different four seasons to where everything fell off, not only the leaves and stuff in winter, but even the branches. And what was left was the trunk and it formed a circle. And then he had all these different lights coming down and like stars. And as they touched the, the trunk, which was a circle now, they became eagle feathers. And there were a hundred mm-hmm. eagle feathers. And the message that came to him is, is it's time. The human beings have forgotten how to be in harmony and balance. And mm-hmm. late winter is coming. So you need to call out and invite all over indigenous tradition, wisdom keepers from all over to come. And so when he awoke, he had this and he went and talked to his council, elders council, as we always do. We talk to our community and they said, you have to do it. And he's like, okay. You have to do what? You have to do what you just heard. This was a vision. And to bring people together. Bring people together so that we can learn how to get in harmony and balance because a great winter is coming. So he did. He called out. It's a, it's a whole other story about how these yeah. are eagle feathers. But nonetheless, <laughs> it, it all happened. But he called out, and 27 elders from around the world came to Turtle Mountain, Chippewa. And on that weekend, they spoke their language, sang their songs, um, were in dance and meditation. And at the end, this eagle hoop, with this hoop with 100 eagle feathers, they put four gifts in there that spirit told them, Give this to the human beings. Use these gifts and the promises you will know how to live in harmony and balance with yourself, with other people, with other species, mm. nature, the earth, everything. So the four gifts, I invite all of you to receive these. I ask you all to listen with the softest part of your ears and your expanding heart. The first gift is the gift of the power to forgive the unforgivable the gift of the power to forgive the unforgivable and put that in the ceremonial part of your heart. And you don't even have to question, know where that is. And as you do that and take, take note to take some deep breaths, you already remember that you know how to forgive. And you also may be your heart tugging going, I don't know if I can forgive that one. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it's there is already a message to you. So take another deep breath and exhale. And the second gift they put in there for all humankind is the gift of the power of healing. The gift of the power of healing. Take that gift and put that in the ceremonial part of your heart. And as you're breathing, you realize, you know, every day we're healing. Sometimes very small things, sometimes they're big things, and perhaps you're being becoming more aware of what needs healing now. Because you're worthy. And this hoop of life is worthy of healing. Take another breath. And then the third gift they put in there for all of us to restore harmony and balance is the gift of the power of unity, the gift of the power of unity, which makes me smile from ear to ear. Because all the unity, because we are so in need of that. And take that gift and put that in the ceremonial part of your heart. And you begin to just feel throughout every cell of your body all of what you are in unity with, all the different, your family, your friends, your community groups, your work groups. Hopefully in there is also the unity between your mind and your heart and your spirit. Mm -hmm. 
the power of unity. Take another deep breath. And then the fourth and final gift that Spirit told these elders from all over the world to put into the hoop for everyone is the gift of the power of hope. Hope in action. Mm. Take that gift of the power of hope and put that in the ceremonial part of your heart. And breathe that in. And some of you are keenly aware, well, I am. I am hopeful. You know, I'm living my dream. I have new dreams. And perhaps some of you are sensing, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I've been dreaming for some time. It, it feels hopeless. But nonetheless, this gift is yours, and you know this. And hope is an energy source. So breathe that in and exhale. And you can open your eyes and know that the promise is that to use these four gifts, not one time, always, just continually use these, as I have since 1995 when I first heard about it. And I was so moved. I was going to stop at that time doing any work in diversity and inclusion. Oh, it interesting. So slow. Women weren't rising up. People of color weren't <laughs> yes. rising up. Right. I was going to quit because even white white men weren't rising up unless they were 42 long or a particular school. And I was getting really just hopeless. And then I got these gifts and it was like an arrow. Oh, through an infusion. Yes. yes. And I was like, okay. Now I'm just going to integrate it into everything I do. So whether it's a merger and acquisition or it's coaching or it's going in and bringing different groups together, I use these gifts along with the other, you know, um, understanding technology and tools that exist. But these are fundamental. And what I have found is now having given these gifts to probably over a million people, but I'll say at least hundreds of thousands of people. Oh. Uh, I'm sure it's well over a million that what I get notes and things from people going, I never thought forgiveness had anything to do with business. I, I never thought, I mean, most people think I will come in to talk to me about unity or hope. And that's okay. Start wherever. That's for those of you who have different things that are still tugging at your heart. Mm -hmm. Start wherever. There's no wrong place to start. Use these gifts and they'll move you from one to the other to the other. And I know for me, a big thing I needed to work, I needed to do was on forgiveness due to abuse in my early life, as well as the murder of my race related murder of my father at age 13. But I did it. It wasn't forgiveness that I went into directly. It was the unity. Other people were uh -huh. seeing me leadership. I was 16 when I went to the university and other I, people were seeing you in leadership qualities in me. And in I my see. mind, I was going, Oh, if they only knew, Oh, if they only knew. Uh, like, Wait a minute. How many of because you? Because of the pain that was that? in. Because of the pain and the hurts from not healing, for not forgiving. Right. And, but what happened is that it, it awakened in me. Well, yes, of course I am. Of course I have amazing gifts as all of us do. But, but by having a schism happen, what happens is that vision became stronger of I knew is to connect hearts and minds of people all over the world. That what as a good colleague of mine says, pain pushes till vision pulls. So dream away. Mm -hmm. Keep dreaming. Even when it's at, well, that seems absurd. Just keep dreaming. Because many of the good things that happen start with a, an image in our heart or our mind. Start with this thought and then more gather. And you find that you not only hold that vision, but others do. And what then, how we can change the world.
we can do it. Not only one person at a time, but yes. all of us. And not just people, but other species. We're Definitely. all doing this, right? We're all doing this together. You and I wouldn't be here unless our plant relatives were taking the carbon and turning it into oxygen. Thank you, plant relatives, because I wouldn't be alive without you. Or the ocean holding the carbon. Again, we have so much to be grateful for. And when you live from that, these four gifts... It makes sense. And so everyone that I know, wherever I've spoken all over the world, they tend to write down what the gifts are because they don't want to forget. Or they do like you do, Deborah, which I really appreciate, which is you bought the book and you read the book. And then you're like, you know, I want to hear the audio version. I want to hear that. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's an ebook and it's audio. Mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing. And there's a free song that goes with that. So it's another way to allow yourself to get immersed into who it is you are, what you are, and what it is that you want to create that's a benefit not only to you and those around you, but if it truly is a benefit, it will be a benefit many generations forward. And that's what we need instead of like, well, we're just doing, we're just getting by, or it's the worst of all the evils. Well, you know, pause. And we're starting to discover that, you know, both in business and government, pause. Because what we do, the unintended consequences of action that does not come from good medicine, the alignment of the spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical will really reap havoc. And we do not need that. We don't need in, that. You know, Anita, I want to um, share an example that you just, uh, you were talking about these four gifts and how to use them in unity and forgiveness and uh, hope and uh, I'm forgetting healing. 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 Okay. So, People might be thinking, okay, I need, we need to heal the world, which we do. We need to heal the environment. We need to heal the break in our country between individuals and around the world. Between So many things we need to heal, fix. These don't have to be giant, giant actions. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, and you won't know this, but when I first met you, I remember the day, the time, maybe not the time of day exactly. I remember what you were wearing. Uh, it was February 6th. 15, no, February 7th, 2015. And I had flown to Las Vegas for um, uh, Jack Canfield Breakthrough to Success uh, uh, event for a week. And I knew no one. And I was there to learn how to do seminars on how to help people find their purpose and, and change the world. So I was there. I didn't know anyone, didn't know that much about it. I was standing out waiting to find a taxi or an Uber if we had them then or some transportation to the hotel. I see you maybe half a block down, or I should say you saw me because I look, somehow I look over and I see you approach, you were near a white van with some other people. You walk all the way over to a total stranger who looks confused and where the heck am I? And this light that you were emitting as you came toward me, I will never forget. And I don't know what gift that is other than a combination of all four. And you said, oh, can I help you? Do you need help? Where are you going? I know people don't usually do that because everyone at the airport looks like, where are you going? <laughs> but you did. And I said, oh, yes, I'm going to this place. And you said, well, we happen to be going there too. Why don't we give you a ride? And if my daughter told me that she got in a van with a bunch of people who said, oh, we're going there too, I'd say, are you insane? You know, of course she said we're going there. <laughs> but there was such an authenticity and a light in you and no question as to your uh, sincerity about about the offer and just 
the truth of who you were. Then I'm like, oh my goodness. And not only did I follow you to get in the van and go to the hotel, but when you got on stage and started talking about Pachamama lions, I was there because I was there to learn about it. And that has really affected the rest of my life since then. I've gone on to do seminars for Pachamama lions. And honestly, it was from that initial moment that you showed me what this looks like in action. So it's not necessarily going uh, to the Arctic Circle and talking to know It's every moment of our day that we can affect the entire life of another person. So I just thought you should know that. Thank you. That's beautiful. And I agree with that. And that happens to me. And what happens is if this is internal work. When So we want to change everything out there. And we only get so far. And part of it is because we have to keep doing the internal work. So that way it shows up. What happens, we manifest out there what's in here and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So we keep doing that work. And I'm glad. I, I actually kind of remember seeing you. And um, I think I remember giving you also enough detail about that we were with. You prob- with- Eventually, you probably did, yes. <laughs> I'm very uh, cautious about making sure women are safe and, sure. and, well and stuff. But, yeah, I think that's... Um, uh, really an important thing. And I think it does, it is, you could take that apart and look at it in terms of all the different gifts. You could. If you have, if you have something, and again, all these gifts, like you said, start with something, something small. That's really great wisdom. So forgiveness, you have to take on the big, big one first. Start with just a little one. Oh, this is the second time you forgot my birthday. Or, you know, something, uh, or you forgot to put your dirty clothes in the a laundry basket or whatever so, it is, right? Start with those little things. And then what happens is you develop the muscle so you can take on the bigger things. And I know that it, it took some muscle. It didn't happen immediately like that. At age 13, my father was murdered. It was race-related. And he... Um, he had gone, he was an alcoholic, and after work, he would always go get a beer and then come home. And he went, not knowing earlier that day in 1967, a black man and a white man were having an argument. And while he sat there having a beer, and he was a dark-skinned Mexican indigenous person, the white man returned and just saw his profile. He was sitting where the black man was, and he killed him. He mm. shot three bullets through him. Now, that's horrific. And that my mom has left six kids, seventh grade education, and, and it changed our lives, a lot of things that, that ha- happened at that point. However, some real healing had happened to me because something happened to that 13-year-old. It, it's more complicated. I'm not going to get into all of it. But one of the things was there was a, a belief in me then that not all white people are murderers, but that it's likely that a lot of them would try to hurt people of color. We didn't call them people of color than Mexican right. or whatever. And, um, but in my corporate work, which I started doing very early in my early 20s, I was doing diversity. We're going to put people in circles, white people in circle, sharing their dreams, sharing how they've been taught, their worldview, people of color. And I heard month after month, week after week, white people sharing how some of them were taught that they were better than people. Mm-hmm. That look like me, or black. even if they were subliminally taught, yeah, as, yeah. yeah, not even they knew they were. Um, however, they didn't believe that. They love their parents, yeah. but they don't believe that. And they're trying. They were doing their lives differently and setting up policies and programs and having friendships that they never had when they were young and stuff. And hearing that, what happened? The adult Anita, Anita, the twenty-something Anita, all of a sudden impact the thirteen-year-old Anita. And it's something really I realized, which was so powerful, 
because the woman who of the wife of the man who murdered my father came to our door a week after my father was murdered and introduced herself. Mm-hmm. And her son was by her, and he looked like he was around my age, around 13. And she said he never would have done this except that he thought my her husband, my mother's husband, my father, was black. But he wasn't, and he never would have done it because you know how black people are. She starts saying horrible things about black people. Oh, she said she was saying this, yes. Horrible, yeah. horrible things about black people. So my mom told her to stop, that she didn't even know what she was doing, what she was sharing and teaching her son, but she was going to pray for her. Bad son. medicine. Yeah, bad medicine. Get off my porch and I'll you know, pray for you. So then in those rooms in corporate, have nothing to do with my neighborhood where they're the only non-black people in this black neighborhood. I was hearing white people. And what I then realized, oh my gosh, I lost, and my five brothers and sisters lost our father that summer day in 1967. But that white boy lost his father too. And he grew up knowing his father was a murderer. And I realized, oh my gosh, I hope I will meet this man one day. I didn't, and he has passed away, but I was hoping that. And it was just, so lead the best life you can. I want that for you. Because then you begin to realize that this forgiveness, not only, um, it really, first and foremost, frees you up. Because as long as I held the beliefs, I would leave good people out of my life. Great experiences. So who hmm. are you damaging? It's like, um, what was yeah. it? Self-inflicted. Poison uh, and think that it's hurting the other person. It makes no sense. So forgiveness and then correcting the action. What happens when I forgive, lo and behold, that was race-related murder. Forty-some years you've been doing diversity and inclusion work. It's a choice. But I don't do it out of resentment, retaliation, pain. You, you don't do what? I don't do my diversity work out oh, of that. Yes. I've forgiven the energy I have to use now to bring parts and minds together, to be able to create systems and structures that 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 are life giving rather than you know tearing people apart and right. It's different. So any one of these gifts you go for, and it'll break loose into the others. Thank you for going. To let me go into the forgiveness one because it's, it's one so of the important gifts for people. Yes, and so you don't even have to start there. Like I said, how it even started big time for me was out of the unity work to have people saying, well, you should be student body president at the University of Colorado. And I was like, oh, my goodness, what are you talking about? (laughs) They go, look how you can command a whole outdoor, you know, I forget what you call it. Amphitheater, whatever. Yeah, Yeah, amphitheater. But there's there's like 8,000 people here, and you're just speaking. And I'm like, yeah, I always could talk. But But in your heart, you felt not validated or not able or or not good enough? Yeah, and how many of us have those little messages in there? And so that's why you keep doing the internal work. These four gifts, forgiving the unforgivable, healing, unity, and hope in action, I, I can make the promise that if you use these four gifts, you will find that you are so much more powerful, loving of yeah. yourself and others than you can ever imagine. And you just keep using them. I don't know that we're ever done. or that Maybe that's the good news. It's our journey. But I will tell you that the dreams I had as a little girl, given my background, most people say, how in the world are you doing this? And that's it. How do we change the world from the inside out, from the outside in? 
never alone. I do nothing alone. Nothing. Writing that book wasn't alone. 27 elders put together and answered that prophecy. I wrote my stories, other stories, and I invited another uh, 40-some elders to have uh, their oh wisdom goodness. put in the book. See, that it, this is the, these are the things that, and then it becomes an, an international award winner. And I have to say, this is one of the things that's so fun for me. I gave this book when I was with some elders in Hawaii in 2017, and my book had just come out. And one of them was a San Bushman from the Kalahari Desert in South Africa. Really? Yeah. He took that book back. And uh-huh. months later, I get a note from her. She doesn't speak English, so it was from her husband. Uh-huh. And they had just built a library. My book, The Four Sacred Gifts, Indigenous Wisdom for Modern Times, was the first book in the Kalahari Desert for that tribe. And he spent two weeks every night around the fire translating oh my goodness oh my goodness all of the village could hear the stories and these gifts and to this day we're just very very good friends one day i know i will be there and put my feet in that sand that sacred sand and i know that had to be one of the the best stories you've heard the best impacts you've heard because it's so unexpected first of all you're not picturing the Kalahari Desert as the location for your, and to have it be the first book, the importance that they saw of that message and you're telling it. It's it's just to really see the impact of what one person does, you taking the initiative to write the book. You didn't do it alone, but you did take the first step and you had the vision and you had the hope. And, um, you know, another area that I want to have you speak to a little bit while we're, going through these four steps is the, uh, or not steps, because that's not the right, the four gifts, the four gifts, um, is um, the power of hope. When we, because so many people who are concerned about, you know, the the planet, our survival on the planet, we know the planet's going to survive, but life, human, human life, even animals will survive beyond us. Uh, but but even today, I saw a headline that just said, is this the beginning of the end? There was a new report on the Antarctica and the heating. And those messages are so harmful because, you know, if we don't have yeah. hope, we won't work for it. So I'm curious about how you see people who, who literally don't see hope for maybe the planet specifically, um, yeah. how, how we can use that. Yeah. Well, first of all, there are there is great depression that's happening and people who yes. are hopeless. And um, I don't think you can convince people of any of this. What I often say to people is that I'm going to have a lot of hope and um, I can never have uh, what you could add to it, but I'm holding it for you. I'm holding the possibility and I'm just going to keep moving forward. Um, but I also encourage people to dream Um, And because a lot of people don't dream anymore. And and it's like, you need to dream. And at night, invite anyone or anything that you trust. It can be an ancestor. It could be a pet. It could be just love trees or flower roses, whatever it is. Invite them to come and in your sleep, you know, dream, dream beautiful messages, you know, whatever it is, just ask it to come. And and you can start that process. And, And so we hope is an energy source that's integral to us as human beings. We all have it. That's what we, Look how we have evolved and all the different things happen. Yes, some not so life-giving things, but also some very life-giving things. Yeah. So I don't think it's over. And in ceremony, 
all over the world, whether it's in the Arctic Circle or Ireland or Hawaii or um, the Amazon and stuff, what keeps coming through is that it is a challenging time because yeah. we haven't had this kind of human being made destruction. We've had no. other, you know, um, difficult challenges and um, you know, ice age and things, but this is human constructed. Now, the good news of that is that we can shift things. And um, yes, some scientists say it's already too late. Others don't. And I just happen to believe, you know what? Whether that is true or not, who I am is bring it on. Let's just keep mm -hmm. going. Because, because of what I love, I love myself so much. I love my children. I love my friends' children. I love other species' children. I love the beauty that's around us. You know, that it just allows me to keep moving forward. And I, I do believe mm -hmm. that the universe and science is starting to question this. They before said, oh, this is just rubbish. Land. <laughs> but that this is a conscious universe that we're seeing enough things that are understood and even having some scientists with big egos going, you know, we may not really understand ever all of it. Hello. Hello. So <laughs> not this, even close. <laughs> I know, but listen to the first scientists. The first pretty much in everything are indigenous people, some 6% of the population all over the world, who understand that we, look at us, we shouldn't even be here because of the genocide that's happened all over the world. And yet we are. There's a saying that said, they, they tried to kill us and forgot we were seeds. So we were sprouting. Oh, I've never uh, heard that. But also, that's, don't leave it just as that. Isn't it interesting that over 80% of the most biodiverse lands left on this earth are lands that indigenous people are on. That's not a coincidence. And scientists and even some governments are starting to realize that, like, we need to find out what you're doing. We need to, we need to listen. To we don't need to do more excavating and destruction. We need to figure out how to shift this. So the fact that people are even, you know, the Verizons, the Hewlett-Packards, the um, the AT&Ts, the different corporations invite me in as well as entrepreneurs, new startups to come and speak is because they really are listening to themselves. They are really opening up that possibility. So I'm not going to try and talk you out of being hopeless, but there are tools that you can use to begin to draw on that energy. You can give hope away. No one can take it away from you. Mm -hmm. And we know that. We know that. We've seen people in prison and hope still wasn't yes. taken away. I think one of the reasons why people are starting to listen, uh, at least what woke me up in terms of listening to the indigenous wisdom for how to care for the land, is this belief and this not a belief, the knowingness that I hear indigenous people say that I am the land. Yes. Not, I'm protecting the land. I'm not taking care of it. I am the land. And it is such a departure from the way that we typically think that it it gets your attention. Like, what does that even mean? How can that be true? Obviously, she's a woman. She's not the land. But that indigenous knowledge is seeping through that we have to see that we are not separate. And actually, that, that takes me to another point that I would like. I know we don't have much time, but if you can just for a moment address this notion of us not being separate, because it's a hard one for people to it believe. Because much of what we're taught is we're separate. You know, you pulled yourself with your up with your own bootstraps. You you got your degree. You had this many children. You did. You did. But then you think about it. You were somebody's dream. 
I mean, we came about because of parents or grandparents or whatever, and they had challenges too, but they also had positive things about it. And those keep coming through. And what we're seeing is that this, this whole genetics, that's another part of science that we're starting to see, that we are starting to understand we have genetic memory. That means we can yes. draw on the positive things. I'm sitting in a room, a really quick story. I'm sitting in the room, it's my office, but it's the room where my second child, when he was 19 months old, Eddie Box, um, a youth elder who ran Sundance for 30 years, came. Oh, I didn't and know that. He did a blessing way for my son, and there were 13 of us sitting in a circle. And my son, I was supposed to take his shirt off. Eddie opens a box with sacred earth to go and start painting on him. And my son pushed his hand away. And he put his fingers in there, and he started doing these designs. It wasn't like a little 18-, 19-month-old. It was designs on his body. And Eddie just let him do it, and he closed it up. And then he, I set Nico down, and he went over. He said, just looked at Nico. And then he began to chant and play the drums. And Nico, 19-month-old, just starts dancing, but not how I've seen him dance before. And, I, and we're all looking at him, and I can hear my older son, who's five and a half or six, say to Eddie, who's sitting on the other side of me, he said, how does he know how to do this? How does he know? And Eddie said, because the elders are with him, oh. and they're with you too. You just have to remember. You just have to ask, ask their help. He has not forgotten. And so sitting here, when I think about this child who remembered, the wisdom we always think is wisdom comes from elder, certain age, you have a lot of experience. It can come from that. But let's also listen to the wisdom of the young coming in because they haven't been all cynical. They're seeing, experiencing, and they know we need to do something. So I, I am watching the elders rising all over of all different races, all different traditions, all different backgrounds. And I, I delight in that. I'm excited about that. And I appreciate you and bringing onto your podcast people who others can listen to because, you know, we'll match up with different people that they'll hear. Of course. Uh, but to see that it is possible to contribute to a positive change in the world. And I think people want meaningful lives. And they definitely want to benefit, be a benefit to those they love. And just like yes. our ancestors, we, they dreamt us. We are future ancestors. We can already start acting like that now. In every breath we take, every thought we have, and every action, we can be good medicine or we can choose to be bad medicine. And I choose to be good medicine, and I see a whole lot of people. Oh, you are. <laughs> you know, I, uh, one of the things that I've always heard about that, that made the biggest difference in my life was the indigenous wisdom of seven generations, of, of mm. thinking ahead several generations, up to seven, I think, is, if it's, I understand it correctly. You're right. Some people just believe that because seven generations, like if, is it a generation every 20 years? That's a lot. It doesn't of matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter how many years. The, the fact is we're not thinking of today and tomorrow, but we're thinking how will my impact of the water, the land, the sea, the air, the animals impact my children's 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 children. And even yeah. if I don't have children, they're, you know, they're still my children, right? Yeah. So will it impact that person who I'm working virtually with or who now are back at the workplace yes. or what I'm teaching my children or where I volunteer or I don't volunteer, whatever it is, it's all, it all has meaning and we have choice. And that, that's a, a wonderful thing. So I think it's a, I know 
it's a good time to be alive because everything does matter. Yes. And what a, what a great life to have then. And what we do, what we do right now matters a lot to the next, to right now, to this generation. So, um, but let's, let's, uh, as I mentioned earlier, let's circle back and just one more time suggest that this is some of the information and the training and the wisdom that you will be getting uh, if you go on this journey. Um, and more, because not be, only from you, right? Yeah. Elders yeah. are amazing healers and elders and wisdom keepers from all of it, from the Amazon and that. And so, yes, so it's, if you go and you'll have it in there to Anita and Kit, amazonjourney.com, Anita and Kit, amazonjourney.com. It'll take you to a specific page, June 3rd to 14th. If you feel the call, if your heart is tugging or your mind or anything, don't give in to doubt, then go ahead and sign up, save your place right away. We only have, mm -hmm. we take a small group, um, no more than 15. So do sign up and there's slots available. So if you hear that call and you know that you, hey, I'm worth it. I'm I'm worthy and I want to have a true transformation and understanding, a deeper understanding of who I am, what I am, my passion, my purpose, my connection in this one who life. Please, in the please world. Join, join us. I would love to. And I know that if you're listening to Deborah and her work here, then of course you would be someone who would absolutely get immersed and take back so much to be some of that good medicine, even more good medicine in this beautiful world of ours. Anita, how can you also, if people, maybe that's not the right thing for them, but just your list, just listening to you is so, it's, it's so enriching. And I feel, uh, this is the greatest gift ever is just to listen to you speak. And so I'm wondering, are there ways I really, I mean that as sincerely yeah. as I possibly can, uh, how can people, um, get more of you. You know, yeah. I know that you yeah. teach in corporations, but yeah. it's just, yeah, I know. Is, is there a more accessible way? Yeah, there is. I mean, corporations bring me in, but, uh, yes, you can, uh, for sacred gifts, F O U R sacred gifts.com slash mm -hmm. course. You can learn about my course online, okay. very cost effective. And on that money goes to all support indigenous people. Mm -hmm. Um, but for sacred gifts.com, you can go and, I have videos there. You can find um, a free song that's there that you can download and listen to, and it's beautiful. Another way of letting spirit and reinforcing ourselves to be that good medicine. So, yes, and, and you can also just go to anita-sanchez.com. There's so many websites I have now. It's ridiculous. I'll, I'll put them all on there, so don't feel like you have to tell them. Dash course or forsakerships.com. That'll help because in all those sites, they have places to take you back to my other speaking sites or corporate sites. And okay, great. It's a way for people who, if you feel these gifts calling you, good. Yeah. They're yours. But if you want help in integrating them, then you can also take the course. And then that course includes, you do it on your own time, but that course includes once a month on the first Tuesday every month, an hour with me in a private group call. And, oh. um, and I'm sort of, uh, I'm delighted in the number of people said, I wanted the group call. I wanted to just be able to I'm do sure. where I wanted my life. So uh, I didn't really expect that at first, but that, that uh -huh. is, um, that's also part of that course. Yeah. That, that's pure gold because it's just coming out of all your pores, you know, and I just feel like <laughs> everybody would uh, benefit from just being around you and hearing you speak and um, you. taking it in. So Anita, thank you so, so much for joining me. It, it's been just 
such a delight, so much more than I even expected. And I had high expectations. So <laughs> thank you for doing it. Please give my love to Kit and uh, this future grandchild that apparently is making yeah, his way into the world. Congratulations. It's, it's to continue. So um, blessings to you. And thank you for all your gifts and sharing them. Thank Have you. Have a beautiful day.